Thank you for listening to this training audio. We hope it inspires and equips you. This recording is by Becky May, titled, If You Want to Change the World, Start a Toddler Group, from the Step-by-Step Children's Ministry Conference on the 26th of February, 2022. Uh, Now, Becky, uh, our first keynote speaker, is just coming forward, and as she is just uh, organising herself with her clip mic, I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Uh, So, Becky, um, I hope I'm getting all this right, Becky. Just shout up if I'm getting it wrong. (laughs) It came from a reliable source. Um, Becky has worked as a primary school teacher uh, before leaving teaching to have her son, and then since then, and perhaps even including then, she's led various youth and children's programmes within a local church context. Uh, She's written for BRF, Youth Work Magazine, uh, YFC, UCB, and One Way UK, uh, producing lots of wonderful curriculum materials and articles and children's devotionals and assembly scripts. And if that wasn't enough, uh, Becky is also involved in Messy Church and has started an organisation and supporting the local church with their work with children, young people and families called The Resources Cupboard. Was that all accurate, Becky? (laughs) Brilliant. This is your life, and out comes my, my Ghanaian grandmother or something. <laughs> that would have been no. great. <laughs> That'd be nice, yeah. Um, can I just check, is Becky on? Can you all hear Becky? Oh, yeah, that sounds a little bit better. Now, um, as part of our introduction of Becky, I'm going to ask her a couple of questions just so that you can get to know her a little bit before she begins her keynote. So, Becky, in a nutshell, can you tell us a little bit about the resources cupboard? Sure. Uh, So I was a teacher. I had probably the messiest cupboard in my classroom. Um, I I did once, I'm diverting here, I I put on Facebook that I was having a messy day referring to messy church, and one of my former colleagues said, hmm, nothing changes them. (laughs) Uh, But I imagined when I had this name of the resources cupboard, it would be like that teacher cupboard where you can go and grab books and, and sheets and things. And God gave me a vision of the wardrobe in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And when that door opens, uh, she has no idea where that journey is going to take her. And God said to me that that's what the resources cupboard is. It's not about getting a bunch of stuff. It's about resourcing people and taking them on a journey. So, so every day I'm replying to emails asking for resources. <laughs> it's a little bit different to that. Uh, but it was a name God gave me that's about resourcing the local church for their work with children, young people and families. Wonderful. I'm sure we'll be hearing maybe a little bit more about that later on, either through the keynote or Becky's brilliant seminar later on. Uh, now, next question, Becky, uh, something that we're all dying to know. What is your favourite Disney movie? Oh, Beauty and the Beast. No <laughs> question. That so quickly. <laughs> I have a daughter, I have a son and I have a daughter, and I thought once I had a little girl, we could be Disney Princess Central. No, she'd rather watch the Minions and Chipmunks, so I feel let down. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice, though. I do like um, like that one. Right, last question. This is going to be very telling. Tell us a weird fact about yourself. Okay, the problem is, Sarah, you warned me about this last night, so I've had all night working out exactly how weird I am. <laughs> had a sleepless night now. Down to me. So I thought I'd go with one that you could then laugh at me over. I hold my school record for the rounders ball throwing competition, and it will never be broken. And you're all saying, what is the rounders ball throwing competition? Well, I went to the kind of school that they could only trust you with a rounders ball and not something heavier. Uh, that's the first thing to point out. And the reason why I hold the record isn't because I'm any good at throwing anything. My mother laughed when they told her this fact. It's because the uh, teacher on sports day who was writing down the scores and was the maths teacher put the decimal point in the wrong place. <laughs> and the reason why it will never, ever, ever be broken is because my school is now demolished. Uh. <laughs> so that's mine. <laughs>
brilliant fact. Love it. Thank you so much. So before I hand it over to Becky, uh, we'll just pray for her uh, before she uh, delivers her keynote. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for being with us today. And we pray for Becky and the work of the resources cupboard. We give thanks that Becky is here with us and just ask that you speak your words into her as she delivers the keynote to us this morning. We pray that you open our minds and broaden our thinking and deepen our understanding of what you want us to know of you through Becky's words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, over to you. I don't know if you want the clicker. Yes, thank you. So if I press one of these buttons, it's going to do my first photo. Oh, well, you added a photo. <laughs> he wasn't lying when he said he'd see my face. <laughs> it's great to be with you. It's really good to be with you. I'm uh, based in Bedfordshire, so I uh, had a bit of a check up here, but it's wonderful to be in a room full of people, isn't it? And, and face-to-face and all those kind of things that we've really missed out on uh, the last few years. I told some friends of mine at Toddler Group that I was doing this, and I was feeling a bit apprehensive um, because I was going to be in a room full of people, and I'd have to get dressed from top to bottom. (laughs) (laughs) And I was going to have to talk for perhaps longer than I've talked for in a while, and I'm always telling my husband off for preaching for too long. So, you know, how's that going to go? And I said, oh, Becky, it's easy. So what you need to do, you need to fill the car with toddlers, take them with you, get them up the front of the room, and they'll talk for hours. <laughs> it's fine. Now, my friends are probably right, but I'm afraid I couldn't have coped with a four-hour journey with a car full of toddlers. <laughs> uh, so you're stuck with me this morning. Um, If you want to change the world, Gavin Calver, CEO of Evangelical Alliance and formerly of Youth for Christ, has a well-known saying, you've probably heard it yourselves, if you want to change the world, start a youth group. It's what Jesus did. I don't disagree with Gavin. I'm passionate about youth ministry. It's where I started and it's where my heart has long, long been. But if I want to be completely honest with you, I want to take it back further than that. I want to say, if you want to change the world, start a toddler group. I wonder how many of you have been involved in toddler ministry, perhaps now, perhaps pre-pandemic. I wonder if you'll play a little game with me, okay? Would you raise your hand if you've ever been involved in toddler ministry? Fabulous. Now, keep them up. Have you... Have you been involved in toddler ministry for longer than five years? Keep those hands raised. Wonderful. I wonder how far back we can go. You're calculating now, aren't you? Ten years. Oh, 20 years. Okay. Oh, look. Look, 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 look. Rounds of applause for our long-standing toddler leaders. Now, let me confess, I have not been involved in toddler ministry for very long. You, You have far... Uh, outlasted me on that one. The truth is that I actually actively avoided and ran away from toddler ministry for as long as I possibly could. Let me give you some examples of how I did this. (laughs) One overwhelming example. Um, I'll give you a few. I was at family parties growing up. My sister, she was the one who loved babies. She got handed the babies. Apparently, I didn't love babies, so I didn't get handed the babies. (laughs) I thought they were quite cute, to be honest, but 
it wasn't given to me. Babysitting, my, my sister was the one who loved babies and toddlers, so she got to babysit them, and I got to babysit those who were old enough to stay up longer than they should do <laughs> and deal with those problems. Even in my teacher training, I went out of my way to avoid dealing with early years. I actively chose uh, to do my final teaching placement in a middle school with year five and six as they went into special measures <laughs> to avoid dealing with early years. Now, behind a bit of this, there, there's stories of, as a teenager, hearing that I might not be able to have children. I think that underlined it a little bit, like, oh, I'm not going near them. But there's also the reality that, actually, do I want to deal with wiping noses, is my perception, and maybe sometimes more than noses, and <laughs> when I want to just be telling them about Jesus, and I don't know how to do that. When my son was born, I had a meeting with our minister at the time, and I shared with him uh, how hurt I was and how feeling lost I was and how I wanted to get back to being in youth ministry. And that's where my heart was. Well, he had an entertaining conversation. <laughs> and he kind of said, oh, maybe, maybe you could start a toddler group. I should point out, my son was two months old. And right then, what I needed was a toddler group, not to be running a toddler group. <laughs> but anyway, that's an aside. Now, even though I say all of this and I went out of my way to actively avoid being involved in toddler ministry, I have long seen the benefit of it. It was just somebody else's job. And that might be for some of you, uh, you're in that same situation. You can see the benefit, but it's somebody else's job. And that's not wrong. God's called you to do what he's called you to do. Maybe today God will niggle at some of you and get you uh, out in the crash or running the mums and tots or dads and tots, whatever it is. Maybe that will happen today. But for some of us, it's, it's enough to hear that actually we know that's valuable and that's precious. It's just not where I'm called to be. A little later on uh, in our talk, I'll share with you why and how I saw for myself that importance of starting a toddler group and what, what the long term of that was. I'll come back to that a bit later on. But I, I did um, ask some friends of mine to share their stories where they'd seen um, the value and the change and the transformation that happened in toddler ministry. So I've got a little video clip for you. Do I need to go? Hello, I'm Julie and I'm a children and families worker in Banbury working for a couple of Methodist churches, one urban and one rural. I've been asked to talk about the changes and transformations I've experienced through toddler ministry. I guess the overarching thing that came to me is that change and transformation isn't a quick fix either in the life of the church or in the life of individuals. And there were two examples that sprang to mind. One was in the life of the church. I was involved with a setting up a new toddler group, which was birthed out of some summer activities and in response to what families asked for. The church was really supportive, not all of them, but just a few. And week by week, we were able to build and strengthen relationships with young families. And others got involved as well from the church. And we saw more baptisms. We saw people becoming more involved in the life of the church. We saw people coming into membership even. And that church even now continues to grow because the church is supportive 
and they can see the vision, they can see the value in toddler ministry, they can see the point of starting at the bottom with the foundations and working up. Now that hasn't happened, as I said, quickly. It's been over a period of years, but they've been intentional and they've been supportive. And it's not taken everybody. Don't get me wrong, not everybody was supportive, not everybody got involved, but just a few did. And it's amazing what God did with that commitment. The second thing involves an individual. It was a post I was in where I arrived to a very established toddler group. And it was sort of a drop-in. It was run by church members. Some of them came to church more often than others, to be fair. And it was just somewhere that they put out toys, served refreshments, and parents, families, carers, childminders came, and they could just meet each other and find mutual support. They occasionally had drop-ins from other visitors. There was no craft, there was no story, there was no prayer, there was nothing that marked it as a Christian toddler group other than it met in the church building, and it was run by church members. Foolishly, I very quickly suggested we do a craft or story, to which I was told, no, we don't do that here. That doesn't happen in this group. Nobody wants it. So I had to leave it. Yes, it irked me a little bit because I could see the potential. But over the years, and I mean years, probably three and a half years, I was able to build relationships and support those team, those leaders. And eventually, I was able to introduce a craft. Not a Christian craft, but a craft. And that made a massive difference. It made a massive difference to the conversations that we had with families because they talked much more at the craft table than ever they did if we were walking around and trying to make small talk or conversations with them. It's made a difference in the leaders too. The leaders have softened. They've been more open And I see that there could be huge potential in that situation. There could be potential to say, well, look, the crafts work. How about perhaps occasionally we do a story? Or maybe we do something at at festival times, like we'll do a, a nativity at Christmas. I guess what I've learned from this is don't get upset if something doesn't happen the first time. Just stick with it. Just hang in there and keep building relationships, relationships with families, relationships with team. And as you do, you will see God at work. I was reading my Bible notes the other day, and it was about the man that was healed by Jesus that was taken outside the village. And initially, it didn't look like he'd been healed. But then Jesus spat on his eyes, and he could see. And it reminded me that too often we think that we've got to save the world and we forget that it's up to God. So hang in there. You're all doing a fantastic job. It won't happen overnight. And we might indeed never see the fruit of what we sow. But it's a really valuable ministry. Thank you. The difference a toddler group can make to a whole family's life goes without saying It teaches the toddlers to share. It's good for them before they go to um, preschool or to playgroup. And it's really helpful for mums. You can be 
walking alongside people, you can watch relationships grow and watch families come together as lifelong friends. It's a great place to build community within a community and to start growing your young your children into really good rounded young adults with the support of a caring community around them. Hi, my name's Jenny and I help run a toddler group at Grimsby Baptist Church called Tots GB. The group's been running now for over 30 years and we've had good attendance and sometimes we've had bad attendance. But we've always tried to reach out to our community. But when we went back and reopened after the pandemic, we suddenly discovered that we had to be more in our community. I'd like to share with you about a lady called Natalie in our group. Natalie's come to our group for the last three or four years and she's always been bright and bubbly with her little girl, Farah. But all this changed when we came back in September. Natalie was no longer bright and bubbly and her little girl was just quiet and it was very upsetting to see. Natalie shared with us what had been happening. She'd had bailiffs at the door the last week. She had no food on her table and she'd had no cooker and she couldn't buy new clothes for a little girl. So this is where I think things have changed in our toddler groups. We need to reach out more into our communities. We were able to help Natalie by an organisation called Care in Grimsby and she now has a support worker helping her out of her financial difficulties. She also now can get food from a food bank. We were able to clothe her and we were able to get her a cooker. These things have all changed since the pandemic and I really do feel toddler groups now really do need to listen to the mums that come. Some of them don't share what's happening in their lives, but some of them do. And we can show the love of Jesus in these little ways. Farah is now a happy, bright little girl. Natalie is now looking forward to the future instead of not knowing where to turn. So I'd really like to encourage toddler groups now to really think how they can help in their communities. And through that, like Natalie and like Farah, they now come to our Fun Family Friday and they're now starting to come to our church activities. So please do what you can for these people. It won't be the same in every area. Grimsby's in the middle of two very deprived areas. But if we can reach out, I would encourage you to do so. Some of you recognise Jenny at the end there, <laughs> who, um, who'd offered to film the video and then forgot, she sent me a message, I've forgotten, I've just got to CRE. So that was filmed in the car park at CRE, down in Exeter. I'm sure I could ask you for your own stories of transformation that you've seen. Perhaps you've seen stories of change in families. Perhaps you've seen stories of change in children. Perhaps you've seen adults, <coughs> leaders, change through doing this. Maybe you've seen a church change. Would you just take a moment on the tables you're at, if you've got a story that you're desperate to share, share your stories. Where have you seen change through a toddler ministry? And if the answer here is we haven't yet, that's okay. You can say that too. Wonderful. Fill the room with uh, children's leaders <laughs> and you will have some good conversations. If I can draw you back together, that would be great. Thank you. I'm a, 
Delighted and relieved that there was a hubbub of noise that went beyond the, we don't have, we've never seen any change. <laughs> um, fair enough, if, if that's the case. That's, that's the reality that we're living with. Uh, perhaps you can carry on these conversations later. The reality is that our stories are the most inspiring thing that we have. And we share our stories and we see these change. And that's why I wanted to bring uh, some other voices into play this morning. You might be familiar with this. In February 2020, uh, Hope Together, the Evangelical Alliance, and the Church of England together commissioned a piece of research by Savanta Comrades. This photo is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and it found that 74% of all parents of under fives had attended an activity run in or by a church in the last year. Now, I saw that headline and I didn't believe it, so I went back to the Savanta Comrades website to find the statistics. I tried to find the, the flaw in the argument. It's true. From their research, 74% of parents pre-COVID of under fives had attended an activity run in or run within a church or run by a church within the last year. 33% had attended a toddler group in or run by the local church. 33% of all parents of under fives had been in a church-run or church-hosted toddler group. Now, we all know that in that number, there will, that will include a number of privately run classes, paid-for businesses, baby gym, baby sign-in. These things will fall into that category. But they're still either run by the church or they're in the church building. We all know the statistics about children's church attendance on a Sunday morning. It's probably written in the back of our brains, isn't it? 95% of children are not in our Sunday services. Now, again, we all know the limitations of that statistic. 33% of under fives are in our toddler groups, but only 5% only are on our Sundays. We've got to hold these things together, haven't we? There's a lot more meat to chew over in this research, and I would urge you to go and take a look at that. I would have put the link up, but it was so baffling. I would just Google talking toddlers research. That will find you out. The report's there. You can go back to the Savannah Commerce if you want to look at the statistics. Alongside this, they've been putting together a number of webinars based on the research, feeding back the research, giving practical ideas of what to do about it. Uh, so it's well worth a look. So whether you hear that, that statistic and rejoice at 33% of families in those toddler groups, or whether actually you grieve for 67% not there, there's huge potential in our ministry with under fives. Why? Because we know that early intervention works. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Give me a child until he's seven, and I will show you the man. The first five years have so much to do with how the next 80 turn out. If you want some more quotes like that, you yourself can go away and Google quotes about early intervention. It's, it, we know it. We've found it in so many spheres of life. Early intervention works, and if it's true for a child's emotional well-being, for their physical development, for their social development, then it's also true for a child's spiritual development. Imagine growing up 
never not knowing the God who loves you. Imagine growing up, never not knowing a community of faith surrounding you. Perhaps you did. What a gift for the children in our toddler groups. What a gift for the children not in our toddler groups. What a gift for the children in our communities. Why do I believe we can change the world with a toddler group? Because if we do this, we can be involved in a child's lifelong journey of faith from the earliest moments of their life all the way through. We can enable them to experience what it is to never not know the love of God. It's easier to build strong children than repair broken men. Give me the child until he is seven and I will show you the man. The first five years have so much to do with how the next 80 turn out. Do you know what else toddler groups do? They give us the opportunity to be involved in the life, not just of the children, but of their parents, of families together. All the research in the world concludes that the most influential element of a child or young person's life is their parents. In this country, we have a history over the last 80 years or so of writing the parents out of their involvement in a child's faith development, both inside the church and outside it. We actively promoted a scheme of having godparents that could replace parents in the church where the, where the parents weren't coming to church. And yet the parent is still the overwhelming influence. 2016 Theos uh, Research Project concluded, overall, despite the perceived strength of other social and cultural forces, faith's effective, not-so-secret weapon in passing on beliefs and practices to the next generation remains parents. So what about now? Where do we go with this? Today's conference, step by step, and I think many of us, as we're emerging from the last two years, feel like we're tentatively taking a first step. Feel like we've taken a million steps, and now we're not really sure where we're taking the next step to. What about us now? Maybe you've managed to keep going all the way through in some way or another. Maybe you've restarted your toddler group months ago and it's flourishing. Maybe like me, you restarted in the autumn and you're still not quite sure who's going to show up from week to week and they're not the families that you knew and loved and had friendships with and you're still trying to find your feet. Maybe today God's stirring something in you to say, What is clear is that as we enter this next season, we cannot just pick up where we were. We're not taking a step on a journey that we left off two years ago. We're in a different place. Our families are in a different place. On a very practical note, the babies and children and toddlers that we had in our toddler groups are at school, most of them now. They've gone. Before we work out where we want to go, we need to work out where we are. Now, I asked a couple of uh, new mum friends of mine, they're actually both of them are new again mum friends of mine, to share their experiences of having babies in the last uh, two years. Uh, before I play the video, I want to say there's, uh, give a trigger warning. The second talks about a very traumatic birth, uh, PTSD. Doesn't go into detail, but if that is upsetting for you, by all means, take a toilet break. We're just going to show this uh, because I think it's important that we listen to the voices of those who've lived this. Hello, my name is Marian, 
And I just want to talk about my experience of having a baby in COVID time. It was a very emotional time for me and my family. I had to go through the whole nine months just by myself, basically, because all antenatal classes was cancelled. I had to go through all the scans all by myself without anyone for support. I had to go through the labour process by myself. And then even afterwards, the care you received was below standard because no one was allowed to come to your house. We only got one health visitor who dropped the red book and that was it, to measure the baby at home. And that was it. Everything else was done online. And I just feel, thank God that I've got a child already, that I've got an experience of what I was doing. So imagine if this was your first child. This could be an emotional time for everyone. I only survived because... I've got a little bit of an experience and also I clinged on to my friends and my faith. It was so emotional, I wouldn't wish anyone to go through this experience and I'm glad that I managed to survive. So if anyone is going through, there needs to be more support or to encourage people to talk more about this because the more we talk about it, the more we can learn and improve. So thank you. Hi there. I've been asked to talk about the challenges we faced um, giving birth during the pandemic. I gave birth to my fourth baby um, in May 2021. Um, being pregnant at that time was awful. <laughs> I wasn't very well towards the end. I was a key worker and I worked right up until the end. Um, unfortunately, catching COVID during late pregnancy. Um, my son was then very poorly at birth. Um, he was in intensive care and we had a very traumatic birth. Um, and and then an even more traumatic time where we were separated. Uh, he was in neonatal and I was on orchard ward. Um, not allowed to have your husband there to comfort you. Um, it was difficult and you weren't really encouraged to be walking around the hospital. So I couldn't go visit neonatal as much as I'd liked. Um, and I wasn't allowed to hold him. I had to ask permission to hold him. It was, there was COVID tests every single time we went in, masks, um, you know, not, not being able to smell your own baby and snuggle them. It, it's, it's difficult. Um, when we finally got to go home, uh, things like the health visitors, they didn't really visit, um, Breastfeeding support, well, we were actively encouraged to bottle feed, formula feed, uh, which has never happened to us before. We've always been encouraged to breastfeed. Um, and because he was tube fed, we struggled. And the support wasn't there. Uh, the help wasn't there. Um, and then 
<clears throat> things like baby groups, um, which are a lifeline to people in small villages like we are, um, that are a bit isolated, they weren't on. Um, we don't have many family nearby, so we didn't really have much support. Um, it was just us and our friends uh, did try and um, make make it a bit easier for us. Um, but it was it was a very lonely, very isolating time. I was late diagnosed with PTSD following the birth, um, which I then had to wait a very long time to get help for, because again, everything was over the phone. Everything was um, delayed because of COVID. Uh, and then things like trying to get formula, that was difficult because people were bulk buying. Um, and it was just, the whole thing was a challenge. And especially when you've got older children and had other children, you know what to expect and you know what's normal what's not normal and so you're much more aware of what you're missing out on i feel um by the time uh, clubs and things started opening up again i unfortunately was back at work um i couldn't take the maternity leave that i wanted um mainly she's staffing um so I went back to work early and it's always in the back of your mind him getting sick all the time so you can't show off this newborn baby you have to keep him kind of separate and wrap him up in cotton wool um, but fortunately we're turning a corner and I mean he got to go to the park over there and do a swing and you do feel like he has missed out on normal things that normal babies in normal times would get to experience. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Well, to start a toddler group. How do we change their world? How do we change the world of children and families in your street, your village, your town, your community? No arm twisting was undertaken in order to get those interviews. I simply asked if they'd be willing to share their story and both those ladies leapt at the opportunity because they wanted to talk about it. The first thing we do is we listen to the stories of those families on our street, our villages, our towns and our communities. I recently spoke to a group of church leaders who told me how hard it is to engage children in their villages. They're a very affluent area. The children are in private schools for extended hours in the day. Uh, they follow that with numerous well-funded clubs and classes in order to reach their full potential in life. And the church leaders lamented, we can't compete with that. Actually, it's a cry I've heard uh, since we've been stepping out from lockdown, from the church. We can't because. We can't compete with the professionally run activities. We can't provide all the practical things that our families need we can't find volunteers to run our activities. We can't. Let's be honest, we're not the first to complain about what we can't do. Moses, I can't speak to Pharaoh. 
He'd say, I can't do this. I want us uh, just to turn in our Bibles. We're going to have a a Bible uh, passage read to us um, from Acts chapter 3. I've got uh, the text that we can put up on the screen. I've actually uh, been very disorganized, haven't I? So I've put the NIRV on screen, and Katie is reading from the NIV. NIV. So you can feel free to listen and ignore my text. I think I've turned it on. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And the congregation was spontaneously taken back to their school assemblies and immediately burst into song, singing. Okay, half of them were. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) It's clicking. I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I do have, and I have Jesus. He's incredible, and he's going to change your life. 
I'll be honest, as a child, I never really understood this story. I didn't actually like it. <laughs> I had a very strange view of this story. I didn't understand why Peter and John started telling the man what they didn't have instead of launching straight in with Jesus. <laughs> oh, to be a child, eh? Now I wonder if we've lost sight completely of the fact that the thing that we have got is Jesus. When my son was tiny, we went to a toddler group uh, in a local church. It was a little intense because actually it was a new toddler group and we happened to be the only ones who'd come this week. I didn't let on that I led another toddler group. I didn't go there. <laughs> we got to the point in the session when one of the leaders turned to me and said, we're going to have a story now. It's going to be from the Bible, but it will be okay. We're apologizing for talking about the one thing that we've got. Silver and gold I do not have, but I've got Jesus. I once heard someone referring to this as being a bit like treating Jesus like the vegetables that we hide in the bolognese sauce. Do you know what the crazy thing is? People don't want us to hide Jesus. Pre-pandemic, the Talking Toddlers research that I showed you a little while ago and related Talking Jesus research found that 18 to 34-year-olds were more open than any other age group to talking about Jesus. What about now? People have never been more open about talking about issues of life and death. We've lived this experience. We've been surrounded by it in a way we've never been experienced, never done before. We can't hide from it. On the radio on the way up here, I heard a phone in about a situation in Ukraine. And caller after caller openly talked about, first of all, they talked to a missionary family, a former producer from the show who's now a missionary in one of the neighboring countries. And she was talking about the fact that she just wanted to show God's love with people. Openly, radio two, middle of the day. Repeated callers phoned in and said, well, what can we do but pray? As I connected with our messy church families during the lockdown period, had open conversations with them about a whole realm of things. Prayer, angels, the moon, crystals, manifesting. I was again reminded that people are so open about how little they actually know. I don't have silver or gold, but I have Jesus. He's incredible and he can change your life. Now, when I started, I told you I'd share a story of why I've always known the value of toddler ministry. Even when I was still on the run from toddler ministry. Actually, I grew up in a church where my parents were involved in youth ministry. So I was going to the youth group before I was old enough to, let alone after I was old enough to, to help out. We were the cute little kids that could be given the stickers from the older kids who were way too cool to get stickers. Around 25 to 30 years ago, my home church asked uh, somebody to come and deliver some training. They wanted a youth ministry. And of course, I was far too young to be a part of this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I remember being there maybe because my mum was the leader. I don't know. I'm not that young. The advice they were given, I remember, was you need to grow your own. Grow your own. They, they had a toddler ministry. In turn, that became part of a midweek children's ministry. I'm not sure now that I would go from a toddler ministry to a midweek children's ministry, given what we've talked about, about removing the parents at that stage. I think there are different ways we can do that. Over time, they became our youth group. There was a brief period where we lost touch with them, and we deliberately 
reinstigated that relationship with them. Let me tell you, they took us through every experience imaginable and a few that were not. Lost phones, stolen phones, missing phones, banned phones. Lost items of clothing, missing items of clothing, stolen items of clothing. Divorce of parents. Remarriage of some of parents from across the group. Loss of grandparents. Death of parents. Death of two young people from that group, one due to a murder and one in a tragic accident. Drugs, sex and rock and roll doesn't begin to cover what they put us through <laughs> in that period. I'd love to tell you that revival broke out in that group. We'd seen them from toddlers and they got to 15 and they all made professions of faith and it was wonderful. That didn't happen. As they got to 15, we, we entered this period where we, we lost these two young boys in a, in a, a few-month period. Surely now, God, surely now they're going to call on your name. No. And around 16, we lost that contact with them. About five years later, my mum is admitted to a nursing home. It happens very suddenly. We have no control over what nursing home she's admitted to. That decision's taken out of our hands. When we went to the nursing home, five of the carers on the staff at that one nursing home were former members of that youth. They had put us through hell and back. <laughs> we loved them with every bone in our bodies. Longed for them to get to know Jesus. And then here they were, caring for my mum. We joked about it. We said, now you can do, make up to her all the, all the punishments she used to dish out. <laughs> you can dish it back. My mum passed away uh, in May of 2020. Yesterday I got to speak to our MP about why that had upset me in the midst of Partygate. My MP is Nadine Doris. That was fun. <laughs> Today I get to share a bit more positively with you the impact of my mum's life and not the impact of her death. Because immediately my mum's Facebook wall was covered in stories. I remember your mum running children's club. I remember our kids going to playgroup together. I remember your mum telling us every week we were banned and every week letting us come back in again. <laughs> I remember that she forgave us again and again and again. Now, do you know what struck me as I was preparing this talk? Those young people who started with us as toddlers are now at the age where they're having their own babies and families. And my prayer for them now has got to be, would they find a toddler group? Do you know what else? They're in that 18 to 34 age bracket that are more open to hearing about Jesus than ever before. You know why? Because that group represents all those kids and young people that we were trying to reach in the 90s and noughties and not managing to quite hit it. If you want to change the world, start a toddler group. I'd like us to I've deliberately allow time for us to end this time together praying. So I'd like us to start with a few moments of silence as you just let this speak to you. What is it that God's saying to you personally this morning?
Secondly, I wonder if you'd take a moment on your tables to pray together for what God is saying to each other. Would you share something of where perhaps you feel God leading you? Or you might not want to share details. Just pray by name for the people on your tables. Where, what's the next step that God's taking you on this morning? I'll give you a couple of minutes for that and then I'll pray together for us. If you're able, would you stand with us? And would you turn away from the people on your table? It might be a little bit intense if someone sat behind you, so you might want to sidestep slightly. Would you stand and face out from your tables? This is just a symbolic facing outward. So however you can do that in a comfortable way that isn't too uh, unsettling. (laughs) I don't want to uh, start any strange new relationships at the tables this morning. (laughs) I'd like to close in prayer by praying for those families, for those children, for those parents, for those families that we talked about earlier. So Father God, we thank you for this time we've spent together. And Lord, I pray that you would lift our eyes to see uh, those people on our streets, in our villages, in our towns and communities. And Lord, would you give us the courage to use our mouth to say, Silver and gold I don't have, but I've got Jesus, and he can change your life. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this talk. For video versions of this talk, visit our YouTube channel, Train, Equip, Inspire. Or for more training and resources, you can visit our website, bdeducation.org.uk.